and welcome back to the View from the Rock podcast. This is part two of our episode about, so far you've heard Final Four preview. You've heard about a musical genre, which in this case was something near and dear to our hearts here in the PNW, and that is uh, the four major grunge bands and what our favorite song of each of those four is. And just in case you didn't hear part two, I'd probably go back to part one, but a little recap is that those top four grunge bands are Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, and Nirvana. And we almost went on from part one to part two because we had a great transition there about uh, Oregon State and it being one of the best universities in Oregon. Uh, we also, also almost got Jason Morgie to admit that they're the greatest university in the state of Oregon. Because Other he than hates, Pacific. Because he hates the Ducks so much. But he remembered that at one point he won a national championship with Pacific. Which, what city is that in? Uh, we did not win a national championship. Whatever. You act like you did. <laughs> we were the best team in Pacific history. Okay. Yeah. We made it to the Sweet 16. Ah, Now, Sweet 16, like in Division 3? Uh, NAIA? NAIA. Okay. Yeah. Um. No shade. That was all respect right there. Uh, so, um, yeah, we're talking about now our beer of the week, which is pretty unique. Um, and even before we move on to that, I guess there was a complaint about one of our one of our previous choices. I think it was actually my week. I chose PBR Talkins, and a friend of the podcast, The Bolins, felt that PBR should never be a beer of the week, and instead Guinness should be the beer of the week every week, which I guess speaks for itself that we were correct and they were not. Uh, no, I love Guinness. It's great. Um, anything you guys need to add to that before you continue? Kelly loves Guinness, I think, more than Tom. But I think okay. Tom was just, when we go out from the hopper on the first three, two episodes with a really good IPA and then go PBR, I think he was a little disappointed. I think a few others were as well. But guess what? We you know, have the power. Yeah, and I think that, um, I think I was honest with my, assessment, although I should probably go back and listen now that I say that, that it's sweet and easy to drink and it has a place um, in my history as being the cheap beer from college and has a place as far as just something that's easy to drink, whether it be a hot summer day or sitting in the Yellow Dog Studios. A PBR is a C plus and we need things that are C pluses. Yeah. I, it's I, it's when you, when you crave, I used this example before, a quarter pounder with cheese. Sometimes a quarter pounder with cheese, you go to McDonald's 2.99 or whatever the special is that day, you go there with a $5 bill, you get a quarter pounder with cheese and you leave there feeling better. As uh, someone here in the podcast uh, made up a rating system, it would definitely be a 1. It's a 1, not a 0. It's definitely not a 0, it's a 1. And it's not up for consideration. Whereas it's a one. For you, a zero might be like a Montucky. A Montucky is like the bare naked ladies of beer. Oh. So by the way, uh, last week coming home from a concert with Sign Dog. Dude, he loves Montucky. I had a Montucky for the first time ever. It's horrible. Oh. Zero. <sighs> we were stopped off of I five just in the valley at that shell. Yeah. And he comes out. I'm like, oh, my God, that's the beer that we just talked about on the podcast. I didn't even want to taste it. What I would say is a Montucky 
probably not a one, um, probably a zero. And it's only because there are so many other great options. And I feel like Montucky exists because some hipsters went to Montana and made a beer with some majestic creature on the front of it and said, we're going to be able to sell this to a lot of people that look like us because we're going to market it as the hipster um, cheap beer. It's officially a Montucky cold snack. Right. And so they can just say, hey, I could go for a cold snack right now. It's genius marketing. Yeah. It's good marketing. Now, the Guinness, which you brought up a moment ago, is it's not my favorite beer. I like a Guinness. It's not my favorite beer, but I will say this. A Guinness poured into a pint glass is beautiful. And it's mesmerizing. You're supposed to pour it hard so it gets all that nitrogen foaming out and of it. And that's how it just does that unique... You get that nice velvety head. Oh, oh my gosh. I learned well, these things when hey, I went to the... She, uh, cheers to Kelly Boland for loving Guinness as her favorite. And you know the surprising thing always to me is when I have a regular Guinness is how light it is. It's just... It's not dark. It's not difficult to drink. It's I mean, a shockingly low calorie beer. Yeah. Yes. It's like 120. Low, yeah. 120, only 4.1% or 4.2. Like it's a, it's a beer that you could have as a summer beer, even though it looks like a winter beer. I would agree with it that. It looks scary. And then when you first take a sip, it's, it, it's very not. smooth. Yes. Uh, well, speaking of uh, smooth beers, we have a bunch of beers here before us who are looking quite tasty. In fact, there are four of them. Uh, these four beers are from a very good friend of the podcast, Ross Metcalf. His son currently attends uh, Oregon State University. Uh, and I believe that he went there and got these from the brewmaster himself. And so we've got some notes that are from the brewmaster. Uh, and he gave us some tips, I believe, on how we should be consuming these. Um, did I miss something there? This is from the food science and technology department. Technology. That's amazing that beer is considered part of the technology department. I'd like tech even more if I knew that. I think today's a special day. Oh, it's, a, it's an amazing day. We've been waiting two weeks for this. We have four amazing, unique beers. Amazing beers that have never, ever been reviewed on any beer app. So, untapped. We are... Ahead of Untapped right now. Does Untapped even know about these beers? Untapped does, has has never seen them. So zero reviews on these beers. We are giving the very first reviews of these beers. And is that going to stay here? Or are you guys going to get back on the Untapped just to make that entry and then get back off? Uh, we retired as legendary status, and we're not going <laughs> to go back. Oh, I've never heard that from you before. Um, well. Uh, also, something in the notes that we probably should say is it's a working creamery for cheeses. Uh, there are stills. It is a winery and is a brewery that's big enough to be class classified as a mid-sized microbrewery, which that's interesting. You got the mid-size and the micro. Um, so what is the, what is the first, um, Mr. Morgenthaler, what is the first beer that we are going to taste? So first off, just a couple things from the Brewmaster. These are all very unique beers. These styles are the only ones we bottle. So that's why somehow Ross got them. I don't know how Ross was able to get these beers. Maybe he said that he knows the view from the Rock podcast. 
Well, and if you look at the bottles that are in front of us, there are no labels on them. It looks like from someone's homebrew kit. And they, I mean, it's a little Sharpie on the top. Yeah. They're all dark bottles. Yes, homebrew. It looks it looks like we're in a back room at Harry Potter's. Uh, I was thinking of uh, Strange Brew. Maybe you're going to go there, but no. <clears throat> okay. So our first beer, beer number one, is the Goza German-style beer. 50-50 malt and wheat malt with some orange juice added in the fermenter. You can pick up the orange notes. So it's 3.5% ABV. Salt level is a little higher, so it has some briny character. Wow. Ooh. Are you guys ready for this? This is this is a game changer. And like, I've seen this I'm kind ex- of beer. I'm so excited. But before we drink this, can you tell me, I've always pronounced this as a ghost. Um, he, it, yeah, he has no idea. He's just reading. I'm, I'm just he reading. He never has heard of this beer before. I'm, I'm, re- I'm, I'm just reading what the brewmaster says, pronounced Goza. So if I walk into the Rosario Market. So isn't Goza market, in one of the movies? Goza? <laughs> if I walk into the Rosario uh, Market, the, can, I, can I go in and say, do you have any Goza? And it's, no, not, it's not Gyoza. Like the not Gyoza. Like, there's no Y in there. But uh, it's spelled G-O-S-E, but it's pronounced Goza. Now, when I've come across these in the past, I feel like people have said they're sort of a summertime beer, and it's similar from my experience to like a sour. It looks visually, it almost looks soury. It does look like a, a, a soury, almost, almost looks like a glass of Chardonnay. Yeah. Slightly opaque. Hey, here we go. Cheers. Oh, Mm. well, what do you think? Um, it's he's not wrong about the orange and the briny character. Um, he obviously I get that knows, immediately. Yeah, he knows what he's talking about. Um, I would say it it feels a little bit like a summertime shandy, a little bit. Oh, like the that. summer like, shandy. Yeah. Um, I really but like better it. Quality. It you, it does. Uh, I think in the summer this would be very refreshing. Oh, I. 100% agree. Now, the one thing I will say, it kind of comes in with some of that melon character towards the end, uh, kind of in the back of the throat after you've had a few sips, and I know there are some people who don't like the melon flavor, um, but I think it's pretty good. I could see being at Camino Island, drinking this on my on my deck. Mm. Hmm. That's a nice beer. This could be a nice beer on the boat after you've caught a couple salmon. What would you pair it with? Um, I feel like I could have some, some Asian food with this. Like if you think about, oh, what are the name of the, the beers that you can get, uh, like Nippon, is that one? An Asian beer? Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not too familiar in Asian beers, even though I'm married to an Asian. <sighs> I'm trying to think of um, what those are. S- Sapporo? Sapporo. Sapporo. Thank that's, you. That's oh the gosh. only beer. <laughs> well, ones like that, like they tend to be drier, like mm-hmm. almost um, more towards the sake, you know? Like yeah, it's they, almost in some ways like has some, like you said, uh, I don't know if you said champagne, but almost some sort of sake qualities to it. 
That might be a beer that we would drink right after we play some uh, volleyball on the grass on the Morgan compound. The last time we did that, I got injured. <laughs> I've been injured like four times at the Morgan compound. All one, playing volleyball. Oh, no. One time was horseshoes. <laughs> okay. Are we ready for beer number two? Yeah, and I would just like to clarify that we're not just pounding four beers right now. Um, we put these in little little tasting flights, almost like shot glasses, so that we could taste them and by the end still know that we're in the middle of a podcast. I think they're four ounces. I was going to say two ounces. I think... Um, that you did a really good job swap of pouring these, so they all look like they're in the same level, but the glasses are a little different, so I have no idea. Uh, Mr. Morgenthaler, what is the next beer? So beer number two is called a Saison. Say that again. Saison? I'm I'm looking it up now, because I've always said Saison or Saison. Saison? I think it. I think you said it right the first time, because I see that and I think Saigon, and so I think, oh, it's a Saison. Oh, okay. But it translates to season. So, yes, Saison. Oh, it, that sounds like season when you say it like that. Yeah, I okay. mean that's probably right. So this is a Belgian style beer, and like Swappy said, translate to season. Typically a summer beer for field work. Very champagne-like with some pink peppercorns for a unique flavor. This has malt, flaked rice, and oats in the grain bill. Ooh. And this is a 6% ABV. So immediately you say it's very champagne-like. I'm just noticing even like carbonation-wise, this has been bubbling this whole time. Very effervescent. Oh, yeah, I, still see yeah. it. I didn't even notice till now. Very effervescent. Here we go. Okay. I'm trying to smell it to see if I can get some of those pink peppercorns. I'm I don't know that I'm really picking it up. Mm. Oh. Oh wow. I can pick up the peppercorns. Wow. Yeah. That's got a definite different flavor. Oh. I wouldn't say that there's heat to it. No, but right there at the end, I felt a little little tickle on the tongue um, that I would attribute to what I normally feel from having a little pepper. That that is very unique flavor. I think both of these beers are not beers that I could drink several of. I think both of them are very tasty in their own right, but they might be like a, a one and done paired with. Um, what would you pair this Saison with? You know, for me, if I had to choose between these, I would go with the Saison. Um, I find it really easy to drink, despite it being 6%. And you know with how crazy IPAs are these days with their high alcohol percentage, I know that 6 isn't that crazy, but um, I feel like I could actually drink more than one of these. I like it. I'm trying to think what I would pair it with. Very unique. I almost would like maybe a summertime flank steak. Oh, or maybe some carne asada. Yeah. I was going to say a nice summertime charcuterie board. Yeah, definitely. Um, I definitely think the colder that one is, the better. 
already feel like it's starting to get a little less cold. And this is definitely one of those crisp cold ones. Are we ready? Not quite yet. I'm okay. still there's a lot of there's a lot of flavor notes here with this saison. I'm still trying is to Is there some banana? Do you get notes of banana? I, there is a little something there that I can't quite place. You know, it'd be very interesting. A shout out to the brewer the brewer, head brewer at Oregon State. Do you know his name? I do not. And maybe we can forward this to Ross and he can get a hold of him and tell him how to listen. You know, I don't know if the University of Oregon has uh, a head brewer or not, but if they do, he probably makes malt liquor. <laughs> Did I say University of Oregon? No. Oh. <laughs> but uh, the University of Oregon... <laughs> Swap, did They're you just not, say if, hey. if the U of O had a head brewmaster, they would only the malt make liquor. malt liquor? Hey, I did. The, the U of O is not smart enough to do this kind of beer. You know, they'd end up making hooch and killing people. <laughs> oh, my God. Shout out to OSU. Go Ooh. Beavs. You know, what hey, really Big great? Chris, real quick. I haven't forgot about you, bud. Love it's, you. It is in the show notes. So, um, Oh, and you forgot the whiz. No, we talked about the whiz already. Oh, really? Didn't we? Do you remember the whiz on Seinfeld? Thank you. So, do you remember the whole his line from that episode? Nobody beats the whiz. Nobody. <laughs> There's a guy with a crown. <laughs> Nobody beats the whiz. Nobody. Nobody. So he had a furniture store, I believe, or like a mattress store. Maybe Something electronics. Like Some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so originally he was on there, and he would have the crown on, and he'd say, "Nobody beats the whiz." Ha ha. Nobody. And then. That was like an old commercial. But then he starts to date Elaine, and she's enamored with him. He's got this sparkle in his eye. And then Jerry realizes who that is, tells Elaine, and it's ruined. <laughs> um, I, I think if it's possible to take the podcast on the road, it would be a real interesting thing to sit down with a brewmaster because... I know nothing about brewing beer, um, and it would be sweet to pick the mind of a brewmaster. Um, definitely wouldn't want to go to University of Oregon and see what they know or don't know about beer, but I'm pretty impressed with OSU so far. Two styles I normally don't drink, but I'm enjoying. So uh, the third beer, Mr. Morgenthaler. <clears throat> the third beer is what is called... The double. It's a Belgian style beer, so it's seven point four percent ABV. <whistles> has a Pilsner malt, rice, dark malts, and maple syrup. So, from the Boston Beer Company, they use it in an Utopia. It's Utopia. A, Utopia. A beer they sell for almost. Close to a hundred bucks or more. Is that the maple syrup comes from That's Boston be Beer Company, or or the the same maple syrup that they use is the one? That's I don't know that answer. I think let's just. I have heard of Utopia before. It is an expensive, well-known concoction that they make. Really? Now it's interesting when you look at those things that they list there. Like this is going to be really sweet. Like so, they've got malt. Rice, dark malts, maple syrup. All these really sugary, starchy things that are going to get the alcohol content up, but are probably going to be real sweet to taste. I can hardly wait to try and it. A, and, a, and when looking at the beer, 
It is the darkest of the four. And it's it's a it's a beautiful color. So for Definitely us dark honey amber. Oh, so it's kind of ambery looking. That's what I would say, yes. Yeah, it's not gonna taste like an amber though. I was gonna for sure. I was gonna use the word chestnut. Yeah. It's darker than your typical amber. It's got a more more red to it. Let's give it a taste. Okay, here we go. Oh, hold on, hold on. Oh, smell it. Smell it before you try it. It's got a... There you go. Oh, you can smell that syrup, can't you? You can. You can smell the maple. Oh, that smells so good. Oh, my gosh. Smells like an IHOP. (laughs) This is a a one-of-a-kind beer tasting that we are doing. You know... I think we could say this is number one in the world. This is probably... Number one in the world right now. I'm not sure what we're number one in the world at or what is number one, but I, I can go along with that. I would say tasting that third one, all of these beers are styles of beers I don't drink. If I go to a place and I see those, I immediately look past them. and I normally don't want anything to do with them. And all three of these are really good. Mm. They're really good. This, upon looking at just the beer notes and looking at the beer... I would have thought it would have been darker. It's shocking how it's smooth not. it is. Yes. So normally when I drink a Belgian style beer, it's overly sweet. It has loads of melon flavor that I get in it, and I have a hard time enjoying it. Um, <laughs> but that, that is super smooth. It doesn't finish with any sort of weird aftertaste like I normally get from a Belgian. Um, it, yeah. This That's nice. a good beer. That's a good beer. Now, what would you pair that with? I think I could have some some brats that I've, oh. I've put on the grill, and I've kind of let them marinate in maybe one of these beers yeah. with some onions, and they've boiled for a little bit, and I take them off, and I put them over the coals, and I just make them kiss the grill and get a little charred up. That's what oh, I would do. Oh, man. That sounds amazing. Now Maybe that we're getting into spring, we should, on a future podcast, talk about top three grilling meats. Oh, yeah. Mm. This is opening a whole new world. I'm just, I'm surprised at how smooth it is. You would think from something that's that uh, dark looking, there'd be some real bitterness to it. I, oh, it's the first taste and you're like oh it's not as dark as you think no not at all is that the maple syrup that makes it that dark i would think that the dark malts there is probably what it gives it uh, is giving it that color um and normally if it's dark malt that would be roasted malt i would assume i just want to keep tasting it i'm just curious if that bottle is a $100 bottle. That is interesting that they've connected the $100 bottle with with this double. This is a really good beer. It's a, like I I enjoyed those first two, but this third one is beyond but I would say by far. There's a lot going on here. I think that I agree with what you said, Ruck. If I'm at a brewery, I'm not picking these beers. I'm just going to the my normal go-to 
IPA. What's an IPA? Give me, pick me one. Yeah, because you know, for the most part, I'm going to be happy with them. Um, I've I've tried these beers before, and there's always some sort of odd flavor in there that I'm like, I struggle to drink the rest of it. Um, whether it be a, a random melon flavor or some banana or you know, sometimes they'll get like that smoked beer and you get the little smoky flavor at the end. There's a lot of weird stuff out there you can get. And I normally associate all four of these with that. And none of them have had that. And this one especially is really good. Now I'm looking at the bottom of my, my cup here. Do you see any? There's some floaters. I'm wondering if it's really not a clean cup or if uh, just not filtered. Sediment. Yeah, yeah there's sediment. sediment. Did you see that too? I yes. did. I actually plucked out um, what may or may not have been a dark malt while I was drinking it. Uh, and I can guarantee you that these uh, glasses have been sanitized and washed multiple times. Well, swap. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw you pluck that out, my first thought was, oh, we got he got a hair in his glass. <laughs> but I don't know how that would have happened because it wouldn't have been from either of you guys. No, not a lot of hair here on the <laughs> Speaking the of podcast. Uh, Miss, uh, Swappy got a new haircut. I did. I, I went... Uh, zero? I did. I went zero today. That's awesome. Yeah. You look really... Is that a weekly thing? Um, you know, ideally, but it's harder. You know, when, when I'm not going uh, to the scalp, like our friend here, Mr. Morgenthaler... It's harder after only a week to not miss a spot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I go every two weeks. You know, I spend a good portion of my day underneath a baseball cap. Right. And so, you know, I can I can get away with it. But, um, you know, it's a battle. Male pattern baldness is a battle. You know, I'm curious. It's okay. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I'm heading that way. Oh. I feel like I'm experiencing the thinning definitely wear hats a lot more than I used to. At what point did you guys feel like, hmm, you know what? Let's buzz this guy. Like what age or what was the final straw where you said, nope, we're, we're done? It's a good question. Mr. Morgenthaler? I, I don't know. I feel like in my late 20s, yeah, I still had a little hair, and but then I like it short and like was it there was a you're getting a bald patch in the yeah, back a little. or was it really just in the front? Uh both. Okay. And just decided to just go for it and I love it. Now it's like my kids want me to grow it out a little and I I feel like I would be Island View Court like a cul-de-sac. <laughs> like just hair growing around and then up top is bald. Again, you know, everything relates to Seinfeld. There's an excellent episode where Elaine is dating a guy who shaves his head. And the comment is, is this guy from the future? Is he an alien? And she sees his driver's license, and he has an impressive head of hair. And she asks him to grow it back, and he's went bald since. So I, you know, um, up until about five years ago, I would get a nice haircut and... You know, I'd use some product in my hair. You know, I'd, I'd wake up in the morning, get in the mirror, and shape it. Uh, but it became a battle because I slowly but surely was losing hair in the upper back. And when you have a haircut, a nice professionally done haircut, the longer it gets with that, that hole in the back, the more you are getting into, you know, you're kind of becoming comb-over guy. If you're not careful, 
Yeah, you got to avoid. Oh that. yeah. So you, so I would have to get a haircut more and more often. Uh, and that would become an issue. Then I would get a sunburn oh. on on you know the one part that was exposed. And then what really was the tipping point was COVID. Mm. When I just said the heck with it, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna buzz it. So I've buzzed it ever since. And you know, I think all three of us here share a trait in that our heads are beautifully shaped. And I think we just need to uh, share that with the world. Well, hey, real you know, quick. I, I don't know if mine's beautifully shaped. We're going to see. At some point, I know I'm going to have to shave it off. It's a damn fearing quite uh, greatly. So now, you know, I, I took the advice of our good friend of the podcast, Mr. Johnston, and I, I bick after I shave. I have a head shaver, okay. which is amazing. And now I feel like... Like, I'm going to do it tonight after the podcast. I'm going to do a head shave and a bick. So do you feel it, like like after a hot shower? Oh, it it's feels just, amazing. It's and a better time to shave. I rub my head. It's just so Do you put shiny. shaving cream on it? I do. Okay. So after I do the uh, electric, I do a bick a little bit on certain areas. And now I'm infatuated with just bald, bald. Like, big bald. That's all I want. Do you have to be so right now I feel like my hair is super long. Huh. It looks fairly freshly shorn. If you are not here in the recording studio, which you are not if you are a listener to the podcast, Mr. Morgenthaler has no hair and he says it feels long. <laughs> and and there's a shine when you on look, his head. But you like you feel it, it's probably an eighth of an inch. Mm. Maybe like it's just different. Now I'm I just want it. Big bald all the time. You know, in order for this to not be part two, that's an hour and a half, we probably should try uh, our last one, number four. So we have one four. Um, one more beer, beer number four, that is not correct. one four. <laughs> Mr. Morgenthaler, what can you tell us about this last beer? So this is called the Quad. Ooh. Which makes sense, number four. So it's a Belgian style beer. This is a doozy. 10% ABV. And for those of you in the listening audience, we poured about one ounce of this. And if you think about our first beer, the Goza, that was a 3.5. So it just gradually goes up from there, which is amazing. Hey, I'm going to be honest. Are you guys getting any sort of like tingling from the tongue, like from that peppercorn? I feel like I can still sense it. No? I'm just... I, I just, I'm losing I, my mind. No, I think those were um, three great beers. You didn't answer I, my question, but I'm fine. sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, you're not getting any? I think that this experience... Just a little, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I think this experience has inspired me to go out and sample more variety in beers. And when they do the sampler, they bring you a flight. Mm. I never do that. I always judge people who do that. I And I might as well. But I think what this has taught me is I, I may consider doing that. Just to, just to take, especially if you have the brewer's notes. Or if you're going, so for example, if you were going to say Ruben Brewery down in, Ruben's Brewery down in uh, Seattle, and you know you're not going to be there very often, mm -hmm. you can get a lot of their main IPAs up here. So that might be a good time to do the flight where you go, I'm going to try as many of these as I can, smaller amount. Um, I agree. Yeah. 
I think I would do that in the future. So what were the notes on this one, the quad? So I said it was a 10% ABV, Pilsner malts, and Belgian candy sugar. This is highlighted as a very big beer. I don't know what that means. In the brewer's notes, big is underlined. Big. I'm curious now what candy sugar is. We're going to have to look that up eventually. I assume, um, you know, Belgian chocolates, that's a big thing. Maybe this is the kind of sugar they use uh, in that. I have some ideas, but that would be for the secret podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, speaking of real quick, the secret podcast, we are trying to decide where and when we're going to have it and who's invited. So good luck to our listeners. This could be like Willy Wonka. You might you might get a golden ticket. Or you might have to find one underneath a chair somewhere. Or, you know, it's like when one of those, uh, the front men from a, a band is like, oh, I'm going to do a show today. I'm not saying where I'm doing it. It's just an acoustic session by myself. You're going to have to try to find me. And just show up and we, you might see us. Not, not recording. Obviously. Okay, here we go. All right, this is beer number four. The quad. The quad. It does also smell sweet already. I would say I'm already, I feel like smelling some melon or some banana in there. Oregon State University. Hmm. Gosh. Smooth again. Mm. I mean, the crazy part is that it's smooth and it's 10%. 10% shouldn't be smooth. No, no. This is... Oh. 10% is that beer where, you know, you drink it and you probably got it in a snifter. And at the end, you kind of give a little one of those side like, whew, okay, here we go. Okay, drink number two, you could taste the 10%. Well, I, drink number two. Oh, I drink actually number agree. Two? Oh, okay. Hold on. A it's second. funny how your palate changes that way because I did just have a second drink as I was saying that, and I could I could feel it. Second drink almost felt like a bourbon. Had some quality similar to that. So, do you think it just gravitates toward the bottom of the glass? I mean, alcohol should float to the top, right? Because it's lighter than. What would you pair this with? Wow. Um, I mean, this is one of those almost dessert kind of beers. Like, you can feel more so on this one, I feel like, than the last three, the sweetness of it. Like, you take it away and your lips feel a little bit sticky, kind of. This is like the port wine of beer. Yeah, this is like you you have it as a dessert in a snifter. At the end of the night, you're reading your novel about, you know, it's one of the many, many, book, many books, say, from the oeuvre of John Steinbeck. And you're halfway through Grapes of Wrath, and the fire is going. It's the winter. I think that's the the setting that I'd be having this. And I probably wouldn't have anything to eat with it. But you could probably have a nice steak. I was thinking that, like, ap- maybe after your steak a little bit. Maybe a nice... Yeah. What they call that? Porter house Or a good filet. But, you know, with steak, you know, I'm gravitating toward a nice red wine. But. That might be one for the a future podcast. Yes, you know I don't I don't do the red wine. Oh, it gives rock, me just rock. no. You can just listen, give just do a like a little. Oh, it's not that I don't like the flavor. I feel like I get instant heartburn when I do red wine. Really? Yes. It's just like 
I can feel the burning in my throat. Is I that, feel like is that two buck Chuck or ooh? I I am offended Chuck. that you would <laughs> I don't that you would say that I'm only drinking two buck Chucks. I don't which, know. By the way, Charles Schaub, I believe, is what it was called. Yeah, the two buck Chuck. Yeah, that was it. Was I thought it was fine back in the day in college. Two buck Chuck is not a bad wine. Now Boone's Farm is a bad wine. <laughs> That's true. You get the sort of sour vinegar flavor there. So I feel like heartburn with regards to red wine is directly proportional to how much I've eaten. Generally speaking, for me, heartburn is directly related to how much I've eaten. Um, for some reason, though, I get get the heartburn vibe with the red wine. Regardless, I have never experienced heartburn. What? Really? So, you've never had acid reflux? No. Like, I don't know. Like, I've never had Tums. I, I'm i astounded. I'm 35, and I already have Omeprazole every now and then, which is... What is that? Like, the over-the-counter drug to... So, is it I don't like, want to get in the is science it like of it, your but heart area is... Has nothing to do with your burning. heart. It is your chest area and then up through your esophagus. It is, yeah, there, there's like maybe a little flapper valve somewhere in your esophagus that keeps gastric acid where it needs to be. I think they call it a sphincter, don't they? <laughs> I think it's the same principle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'm I, speechless. I, I, <laughs> I and I believe that gastric acid, yeah. you know, passes... So it goes up into your throat? Beyond where it is meant to be. Yeah. And then, so you have a feeling of discomfort. I get it more in my throat. And if it's bad enough, yeah, you can almost... Like, it affects your voice, I feel like. You start to get sort of a cough. Yeah. Well, I feel fortunate. Yeah. I don't know why I have it. Well, that was a special, special night. You know, I would, I would probably, if I had to rank those, I would probably go, and this is just me, I think, I think the double, which was beer number three, would be my favorite. I think the Goza was my second favorite. And just from a drinkability standpoint, the Saison number three and the Quad number four, and I like the Quad, but I'd probably have that number four. I... I almost agree. I would flip the Goza and the Saison. I'd say double one, Saison two, Goza three, Quad four. And for me, just because I would never want more than the amount that was like three ounces of that Quad than I just had. Yeah. Like, it's 100% a big beer. It's... Oh, you can, t- you can tell at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's one of those ones where... You know, I normally get a little annoyed when they give me the snifter, like the the small goblet at the um, at the brewery. At the We're brewery, like, why can't I have a twenty four ounce? Yeah, well, because yeah. I'd be on my face. But um, in this case, I wouldn't even want that much. I wouldn't want the little schooner. But three ounces of that quad, perfect, was great. Yeah, I. So my number one is the double saison uh, two, goes a three and quad four. But those, the Saison and the Goza, I mean, great summer beers. Great summer beers. And it might have opened a door for me for uh, both Saisons and what I used to call a ghost, 
but now is apparently a goza. Rosario Market I want to talk about for a minute. So I'm going to I'm going to walk in there sometime in the next couple of weeks and ask for a goza. And you're going to ask How do you think where it's going to go. They're not going to know what I'm talking about. But remember on our pilot episode, we talked about how they now have a door. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there, like there's a, a real door. door. <laughs> a door from a house. So <laughs> I went in there last week, and they now have a carpet like, inside the door. But just that front walkway area. Or in the whole area. It doesn't area, extend the whole... No, but it's like it's not like store carpet, like black rub your feet off it's carpet. like a shag carpet it's like a carpet like you would walk into your grandmother's house so are they going to rebrand that and say there's someone living there beer house it's like when you walk in it's like and you know the front is not all windows now so it's a little darker it's just got a completely different feel i think they need to like run with that i do too i don't see any reason why not I think that Rosario's market doesn't matter what they do. They let everyone goes there all the time. You know what? They could be pretty close to then turning it into because of some of the paraphernalia they are already carry. They could almost turn it into, oh man, what, um, what, what's the tobacco that comes in the really tall thing that's got the the water in the bottom and you got the hoses that come out of it? it kind of comes from India, I think. Hookah. Hookah. They could turn that into some sort of a hookah lounge that sells beer and all the other stuff they sell. They get the carpet from from floor to ceiling, carpet from floor to ceiling. So uh, original hookah is tobacco? Flavored. Flavored tobacco, and you have like a... Are you asking because you don't know, or are you explaining? Cor- I, no, I'm asking because I don't know. Oh, okay. So have you? Hookahed? Yeah. Never. Oh. I've never hookahed. Oh, so I'm the one that's explaining this. <laughs> this must be some sort of hipster thing. So at, <laughs> I haven't hookahed in a long time. But That sounds funny. Back at Western, there was a hookah lounge there for a while. And uh, I, I went to a hookah lounge also in San Diego. And basically, you know, you go in this place, it's dark. Um, it feels like what I would imagine an opium den would feel like. And there's just soft plushes everywhere. And you can sit down uh, around this table and they'll bring out this really tall thing. Normally it'd be about maybe two to three feet tall. And the bottom is water. And then in the middle, you put your uh, tobacco that I think has been soaked in some different things that give it a flavor. So you can choose whatever flavor you'd want. And then they wrap the top in aluminum foil and they poke holes in the top of that. And that's that aluminum foil is right over the top of where the tobacco is. And then they, you take coals that are hot coals and you put those above where that, right on top of that aluminum foil. So then you breathe in through this like hose. Tube. It's like a hose. Yeah, it's got like a metal end to it and it's connected to the water at the bottom. And so, it sort of steam vaporizes, bubbles that tobacco through it. And it's, I mean, I don't, I don't really, I'm super sensitive when it comes to tobacco and nicotine. So I haven't had it in a super long time, but it was one of those things that you could have some of, even if you couldn't handle much tobacco and just kind of sit there in the lounge and hang out. In some ways, now that I think about it, it was, it's almost like the precursor to vaping in some ways. And that, does it give you 
a buzz or a headache? Not quite like normal. It's it's not quite the same as if you were smoking like you, other tobacco products. Like it gives you a buzz like you would get from tobacco, but it's a lot more it's a lot less harsh. So how would this fall into like the spectrum of like saying the first time you put in a chew of chewing tobacco? As far as strength. Like doing a hookah of tobacco. I mean, if you smoked the whole thing, I mean, it'd probably mess you up pretty good. But um, it would be a lot less... A lot ne- less nicotine? A lot, a lot less potent than chewing. Interesting. Hmm. Maybe. I didn't, I've never been to a... No, we never had... I Maybe think, this is a secret podcast thing. Never oh, had we, much desire. We definitely could talk about there will be a... Yes. I've it, never had any desire to hookah. I mean, did you realize what it was before I just explained it? No, oh, yeah, I did. I knew. Yeah, we knew. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's other versions of hookahs that I've heard of. Okay. But I've yeah. never been to an area or a place or someone that said, hey, do you want to go to a hookah bar? And do you say smoke tobacco? Yeah. I mean, I would say there's definitely an aspect of it that is the social aspect. Like you're all sitting around together. You all chose this. There are multiple hoses coming off of it. Yes. And so whenever you want, you just grab a hose and then you put it back and you guys are just hanging out talking. You know, it sort of feels like this podcast is like a hookah without the hookah. I'll be uh, damned. Wow. That's uh, it's almost that's like awesome. this, this podcast could be called sitting around the hookah with, without one. Uh, that's, that's good stuff. Huh? We learned something new today. Swappy. Hey, we d- you know, I just feel like if the viewing audience listens long enough, he or she is going to learn something that, probably can enrich lives. Speaking of learning something, we have a great learning opportunity coming up here for all those listeners from the PNW. We're going to be talking about the top three all-time sports teams from the state of Washington in all sports. Welcome back from our break here at the View from the Rock podcast. We just finished up talking about uh, four beers from Oregon State University uh, from their brewmaster gave them especially to us through friend of the podcast Ross Metcalf and we were all shocked and surprised by what we just tasted um, four beers that normally we wouldn't choose but we were impressed with what they had to offer um, did we ever get a yeah we did get a, a top four from you as far as which order would go Morgie um, but yeah that was awesome so again thanks to Ross Metcalf for making that happen uh, next up, we have. First off, real quick, oh, how yeah. did that happen? What? Like, I want We need to talk to Ross and just figure out how that happened. If we knew what That's he did a... for a living, it probably <laughs> would help answer that question. Well, he's what Ross? He's an engineer, isn't he? S- specific. I disagree. Tasks. Yeah, uh, I don't know what I'm talking about here. So, um, well, and what would be important to know is. If he has some sort of connection to where I'm serious, like I would drive all the way to Corvallis. I would bring this equipment with us and I would love to record a podcast episode at, oh my. Yeah, uh, baby. 
there is some more sampling of the Goza going on because that was a fan favorite here in Yellow Dog Studios. And that almost went over the brim. That was a volcano out of the little tiny glasses or ramekins that we're drinking out of right now. So what are they called? What? The glasses? Oh my gosh, she's doing it again. No, that was a great pour. That is a really strong meniscus we have there. Do you know Just, what a meniscus is? Uh, yeah, it's in your knee. Okay. No, it's the it's the tension from the liquid that builds up and it is the it is what keeps the liquid from overflowing at the top of the glass. The meniscus is the tension on the edge that's curved and if you break the meniscus, then that's when it would flow over the edge and you'd have too much liquid above the rim. Didn't we used to call that surface tension? Well, it's... Or just an overpour? <laughs> it, is, it is part of surface tension or liquid tension. Oh, man, I'm learning so much. Okay. Uh, I'm going to get this podcast back on the right track. And uh, next up, <clears throat> we have... Our top three all-time sports teams from the state of Washington in all sports. You know, at our break, it probably would have been a good idea if we had talked about that a little bit. But I think we all have our own top three. So does anyone want to start off? I assume we want to go three, two, and then three, two, three, two, or yeah, uh, three, 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 and then two, two. Okay, two, we can do that. All right, who wants to go first? I'll go first. Top three. So I've got four, and I, I bet between the three of us, there's a lot of commonalities. So number three, and they are number three. Well, several of these choices did not win championships, but this is one that is not number one because they did not win a championship. Number three is going to be the pick your year, Sean Kemp, Gary Payton, Sonics, uh, the greatest basketball team um, that I was ever a fan of. Never won a championship. Had a lot of swag. Uh, loved the coach. The coach had a lot of swagger. Uh, loved the broadcast crew. Kevin Calabro, Marcus Johnson. Get on that magic carpet and ride, baby. Oh, Man, my God. I'll get the Sonics back. He better come back immediately. And maybe a couple other sayings that go for the secret podcast. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, but they were just everything about them. Every night that you watched that team, it was fun. So that is the 96 Sonics? Pick your year. 96, 97, 98. You know, I liked them better when they had Detlef, but I can't remember what year specifically that was. That is my number three as well. Oh. Everything you said and more. It was so fun. And I was uh, a senior at Pacific, or junior year, actually. And it was so fun to just have a team that we could root for and living in Oregon and the Blazers could suck it because everything's about, you know, Washington versus Oregon back then. Yeah, I struggle with people who deci have decided that they were, they're now Blazers fans after being Sonics fans. That makes no sense to no. me. That would be like you are a New York Yankees fan and all of the New York teams leave and so you become a Boston Red Sox fan. That would never happen. Like, obviously, it's not as big as those two teams, but I have no reason to like the Blazers. But it's the it's it's the younger generation, the kids, 
their only game that they can go to. I mean, our there's kids we swap drove drove the kids down. Yeah, because that's the only game we can go to. There's one, no. At one song. point, we could have went to the uh, Vancouver Grizzlies, but not anymore. <laughs> I think we'll be back in two to three years. It's, Sonics. You know, maybe like a, a topic for another podcast, but it's a travesty. Yeah. Um, you know, those teams obviously were great. Um, unfortunately, my memories, well, obviously, you know, I was like eight for the 96 team, and I remember them um, with George Carl and that crew. Uh, my better memories, unfortunately, are of the later teams with like Vin Baker. Um, and those are not as fond of memories. Uh, after we trade away Sean Kemp to the Bucks, uh, I don't know that any team won. What? Cavs. I think Cavs? No. There you, there no. you go. Sean, no, it was Bucks. Vin, no. It was a three team trade then. But I know, yes. Okay. But Kemp did not go to the Bucks. He went, he to, went the to, Cavs, to the Cavs. And we got Vin Baker. 99. The yeah. Correct? Baker went to the Bucks. Ba- we got Baker from the Bucks. Kemp went to the Cavs. Yeah. 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 So what did. Yeah, anyways. We don't need to relive that, but I think both of them were overweight alcoholics when it came down to it, right? <laughs> they both at one point they got to that point. They were, but at one point, Vin Baker was an All Star, and at one point, Sean Kemp might have been top five in the league. Yeah, and they should be remembered that way. Um, so I won't say a, a Sonics team, even though, gosh, my grandma loved to watch those Sonics. I mean, she was deaf. Couldn't hear a thing on the TV, but every night she would watch those Sonics games. Um, number three for me, it's tough. I I would say just because I'm not as big of a baseball fan, I'd probably actually put the uh, 116 Mariners there because that was that was an unbelievable year. But 01, yeah, it was 01. Yeah. I still have the newspaper up in my room. Sweet Lou Pinella. Brett Boone on to Juice, um, you know. It, it was I a, actually didn't. Oh, wait, I didn't even think, think of the O one Mariners because the O one Mariners were not to me as impactful as my number two team, the ninety five Mariners. Sure, and again for me, I was seven. Like I remember it, but it's a long. I mean, I was young. So ninety five Mariners, Randy Johnson, who would try to kill you with his fastball. Didn't he kill a bird? Yes. Yeah. One in a million. <laughs> but that wasn't with the Mariners, correct? Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks, yeah. Uh, Norm Charlton out of the pen. Buner. My wife hates Buner. Do we have Heath? Why does your wife hate point? Jay Buner? What? That's a topic for a different podcast. You know who looks like Jay Buner? <laughs> I played you against think? Jay Buner's <laughs> brother in college. Really? Yeah. Now, Jay Beaner we acquired from the Yankees, right? And what what did we send to them? Do you remember? Ken Phelps. Yeah. Oh, also, Ken Phelps. He was underrated. Oh, yeah. He made Great it first into baseman. A, a big red. Big red. red. He made it into a Seinfeld episode as well. He did. Ken Phelps did? That trade. Oh. Yeah. Digger. <laughs> so that's your number two. That's my number two. 95, 95 Mariners. Mariners. I mean, I'll say, to add on, that was my time when... I was going to the game as part of the Little League, you know? You'd sit up there with your whole Little League team up in the nosebleeds. Oh, at 350 section. So there's some great memories back in the kingdom. but So 1995, um, was that probably October? Yeah. 
I'm uh, sitting in study hall at Pacific, and we had study hall, and we had to do it. And we're like, Coach, we have to get out. The Mariners are playing. He's like, no, but we'll play it here. So we had it on the radio. So Sean Eaton and I are the only real Mariner fans. Big worm. I know Sean. Yeah. And uh, just listening to the game on the radio from uh, Niehaus oh, and Riz. Oh, it was amazing. Was that the, the one-game playoff against yes. the Angels? Yes, and we're sitting there and then have to come back and watch it on Sports Center just a little because back then it wasn't very – we didn't have the recap that we do now. Yeah. It, we stood up and, like, screaming – and we're like, screw you, coach. We're out. And we just walked out of study hall. So the you remember the big play in the night in that one game playoff? We're up one nothing. Was that Edgar? It's a it's a pitcher's duel. It's it's Randy Johnson and Mark Langston for the Angels. Former Mariner. Former Mariner. And it's one nothing. It's maybe the seventh inning. We're up one nothing and just grinding. Bases loaded, two outs. Luis Soho, who looks like a guy that might work at a liquor store. Dude. We, my brother and I used to call him Luis Slomo. He was slow. Luis Soho and like does everything. Like kids right now play baseball and they have hitting coaches and all this crap. And Luis Soho does nothing the way anyone teaches you to do anything. So he hits a ball and it's like a 47 hopper up the first baseline with, with some English on it. And JT Snow can't quite get to it. And it rolls into the Angels bullpen. And everybody scores. And then there's an overthrow on the on the third guy, the guy that started at first base. There's an overthrow at the plate. And Luis Soho, who hit the ball, scores from third and goes sliding into the plate. And he looks like he needs like a ventilator. And it turns into like this grand slam, kind of like a little league grand slam. Four guys score, and the ball was hit like, like just a one hopper that was a bad hop on a shitty field. It just kind of rolled past the first baseman on turf into the bullpen. The kingdom was awful. The kingdom was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome for us. It but awful. Oh, <laughs> had so much ambiance. <laughs> I remember going in 1985 and driving down and just paying five bucks for a ticket with my dad and going and sitting in front row because there was no one there. You'd walk down there. Oh, we'd just walk down and sit down. And then guys would throw a ball to you and sign it. I in think I have 10 balls here in the basement. Might even be currently in this room. And I have no idea who signed them. Oh, yeah, you get a ball, and some guy would just go, yeah. and give it to you. Yeah, and you're like, okay, awesome. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We had a podcast about teams we love to hate, but us talking about these two teams has reminded me of the teams originally that I really hated. And so with the the Sonics, I hated the Kings so much. Oh, man, I hate oh, the Kings. Vladi Divots And uh, oh, Chris Webber. That's a different era. Oh, though. my. Like, uh, that is after. You were right. But they, they probably had Mitch Richmond. Chris Webber. Mitch Richmond. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I didn't hate that one, but it just reminds me of them. And the other team, and I'm trying to remember if this is a different era too. I hated the Angels. Like when they had Garrett Anderson, Darren Erstad, Tim Salmon. Now, is that a later team than that one we'd be playing? Then? I think that's about the same vintage. And Garrett Anderson, 
is probably he us. yeah like oh dude he always killed if us. he played oh. his career against the Mariners he's a first ballot Hall of Famer no doubt why is there some team players that just kill us it's the history of the Mariners you know another one who killed the Mariners Rafael Palmeiro oh. <laughs> brutal oh my God okay Rock you're number two. Um, my number two, I was kind of going back and forth. I feel like I need to have a Seahawks team in here and it's, it's hard to go against Matt Hasselbeck and the, the Seahawks team that went to the uh, Super Bowl. but it was, it was a painful loss. And I just want to make sure that our only Super Bowl we won with the Legion of Boom, which kind of defined what Seahawks football was, um, gets recognized. So I'd say, that 2000 whatever team that was 2013 Seahawks team that won it yeah that won it 2014 yeah I had to look it up today oh shoot I took one of yours uh 2014 yeah like I mean I don't know if it was the year before or the year before that but just all the pieces we ended up getting together like that started with Marshawn Lynch and the beast run that he had, which he had when we still had Matt Hasselbeck on the team. We had him and Marshawn Lynch, and that was against the Saints, and we were 7-9. and nine. Yeah, that was the year we were 7-9. and nine. And That was Carroll's second year, I believe. The Rumble. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my number two is the 2014 Seahawks. Oh, same. Yeah. Just us winning... Legion of Boom. uh, Legion of Boom, and just so good defensively. Like, we were, like, it was amazing. When you saw that first quarter, when Demarius Thomas, rest in peace, comes across the lane and... Bam, bam, Kim. Oh, just, just, boom, hits him, and we're just screaming. It was... Hey, can we just talk for a second about who the Seahawks signed yesterday? Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner's back for one year. This feels so good. I know. It's I, awesome. I, just, I think it's amazing. I've got th- goosebumps. Yeah. I think it's going to make us better. I mean, we're not really We can like win a, 10 games. We, I mean, we won nine last year. Okay. So, so then we'll win 11. So uh, 11 and six, baby. Let's go. I mean, I, I aspire for more than that. I would just say that. What? You think we're, we're going to be 12 and five? Uh, Jeez, we're not. A, we're not a reaction show as far as like keeping up with the Seahawks on the daily or any of the sports. But I feel like this off season for the Seahawks is very reminiscent of a time after we had one of our greatest drafts, where we drafted Cam Chancellor and all those all those dudes, all those studs, Richard Sherman. I forget there was a couple of drafts in a row where we did that, and we had an off season where we got Averill and some of these guys that were high a little under the radar. High hips. <laughs> oh, hi. Browner was not part of that. Well, we got him out of Canada. and But my high point hips. is we had a gr- some great draft class. All of a sudden, free agency, excellent. And it's just, it's feeling good. I, I'm just going to say I've got similar feelings. I'm not making any predictions. But no, but it feels good. Hey, so we're back to the old school where we lost the quarterback who's now big time. Now we're getting back to. Are you trying to avoid saying his name? Is that we don't say his name on no, this podcast? No, I like you know Russell gave us a championship. He's the greatest quarterback in Seahawks history, and he's probably going to be a but, Hall of Famer unless he continues you, to mess up would, his legacy. If you would, if you would look uh, just a little bit left to the studio, 
down the hall. He is not uh, pictured on the Wheaties box. He's turned around, <laughs> according to my kids. He's the A Rod. He's a prima donna. He's the A Rod of football. Oh, yeah. He turned into a diva. He's the A Rod of football. I mean, the the crater job that his career just took is something that books will be written about, documentaries will be made about, and if he's able to turn it around, there will also be documentaries made about that turnaround because it would be amazing if he could actually get people to like him again. So, Who's our number one? So, hold on. My number two, just to end, I did cry a lot when we won the Super Bowl. There's no shame in that. Like It's the only sports championship it. you've experienced. Didn't you like run up D Avenue? Uh, no, we actually drove. <laughs> I run halfway. <laughs> you ran halfway up D? Yeah, and then got tired. <laughs> and then got a ride <laughs> from the family. And then we went up to Andy's and just celebrated. Well, the hard part for me is we should have won the next year. That's tough. I'm trying not to think about that. So that will be on the secret podcast. <laughs> Because there was a lot of stuff that happened that was different. Some yelling. Okay. Uh, so number, number one. one, here we go, Swappy. Okay, this is a no-brainer for me, and I think it's the same one as you have. Ninety, ninety-one Huskies, greatest team in the history of college football. Hundred percent agree. Put my foot. i like, I want to smack. Smack something and say that, yes, I agree. So that was a split national championship because Miami was also undefeated. Huskies would have absolutely hammered Miami. And then we played them in 94 and put the smack down at Miami. The whammy in Miami. How many games did they have won? They had won like a 1,000 in a row. I mean, what are the the odds that we go to the University of Miami from Seattle and put the smack down? And then they came here when Neuheisel was coach, and we beat him here, like 90, like Tuyasa Sopo was quarterback, 98. 99. Yeah. So that year, well, go ahead, Swap. It's your number one. No, I, I don't have a whole lot else to say. You had uh, the greatest football player in the history of college football, Steve Entman, on the line. Napoleon Kaufman as a freshman? Um. Billy Mario Joe Holbert. Oh. Hoffman's. Oh. Uh, Palcoa. Yeah. From Marysville. A little shout out to your wife, Kelsey. A Marysville grad. But it was uh, the most fun I've ever seen. I went to every game that year. So is that your number one? Yeah. Because we have in the PE locker room. Bad to the bone. The greatest poster. <laughs> You're going to cry, aren't you? No, I'm not going to, but he, I, I might. But here's the deal. That night, that poster, I was I happened to be hanging out with someone that lived down there. And so she was like, okay, here's the poster. She took it off the wall of her dormitory floor. So I took it. And I have it now. Bad to the bone. Steve Entman. Soup Mala Mala. Dave Hoffman? Nope. Don Jones. Donald Jones. 
And who's the last one? Is it Walter Bailey? No. I'm. It might be Walter Bailey. But it's amazing. So Bad to the Bone is sitting in our locker room every day. Yes. And it's the greatest team in the history of... Well, our... I mean, for, for UW. It's the greatest team in the history of college football. I don't care what the analytics say, what the experts say. So they say Miami's better. Wrong. So it was hard. So 1991. We, I, I did not experience that at all. I was three. I have no memory of that UW team. So but, the Huskies were dominant for like a three-year run. Like the best, the best team in college football. And this is before BCS, so there's no crowning really, except for in the AP polls, whatnot, right? Two polls, yeah. AP and coaches, yeah. And then there was a split, right? It was a split. It was split. It was split. And before our year, Miami was good. Yeah. So everyone thought they were the best. So then we go into was it '94 when we went over there and dominated them yeah and we'd had a little bit of a lull because don james was gone lambright took over you know we had a couple years we were in nine and three but we went in there and just hammered them i remember that game are you talking about 90 when 94 94 95 the whammy in miami yeah in the same year did we play nebraska or is that a like at home so the 91 year we went to nebraska and beat them and the year before i think they came here yeah. Or maybe that was vice versa. And that's when Nebraska was a powerhouse. Yeah. Oh, what was their their coach's name? I forget. Tom Famous. Osborne. There you go. And we just hammered him, just dominated him. We had Link, Lincoln Kennedy on the line. So that's it right there. He's the fourth guy in bad to the bone. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So every day the kids come in, they walk and see that photo. They're like, who are those guys? And Entman looks like he's going to come off the poster and just kill you. From uh, Eastern Washington, Cheney. just bucking hay every day to mm. get stronger. I wish I could have experienced that. Okay, uh, Rock. You know, so this is my curveball. Um, I put this down because this was an experience I had in person with this one team, and it's not a professional team. We didn't say it was had to be a professional team. So um, at one point, there was the longest football win streak for a high school team in the nation. It was set by De La Salle. It ended at 151 games. It ended at Quest Field playing against the Bellevue, Bellevue Wolverines. I was there. I watched that game. That was an amazing really? game to watch. Yes. It was in 2006. They had J.R. Hasty at the time. Would go on to play at UW. They won 39 to 20 over that team. Bellevue just running the wing tee. I think they threw three passes the whole game, something like that. Um, at the time, Bellevue was just another level, probably because they were cheating, but it was a different level. Um, you know, I think eventually what their coach, Bruce Goncharoff, had to leave because he was accepting outside money from the boosters so he could get paid 60000 a year to coach fo- high school football. Is that frowned upon? That is frowned upon. 60000 a year? Just to coach, coach a football. team? Yeah. 
How's that sound, Swappy? <laughs> High school baseball. <laughs> hey, if he's worth that, I am definitely worth what I'm making. So, you know, they end up starting their own win streak. I think they got to 67, but that game, it was just wild. You know, um, as a high schooler, going down and watching that was one of the great sports experiences I've had. And then on the way home, we stopped at Denny's, and one of my friends said, I can drink this chocolate milkshake before the waitress leaves the table, and if I do, you have to buy me another one. And he did, so we bought him another one. And he did both of them. And in the car, getting onto the on-ramp, he ends up making us pull over. He gets out, and he throws up this chocolate mess all over the side of the highway. And his comment was, it was still cold coming out. Oh, wow. (laughs) Dave Evans, son of Vicky Evans, who did that. Well, we covered a lot of ground there. We had... uh... In the back half of this episode, four tremendous beers from Oregon State and a lot of reminiscing about great Northwest sports teams. Thank you, Ross, for getting those beers. Whatever you had to do, that was amazing. Yeah, that was a good time. Um, Great episode. I think one of the all-time great episodes. Uh, I think we're going to remember this for a long time to come. Again, this is part two of part one. If you're at this point and you didn't hear part one, I would say go back and listen to that because um, that was a equally good part of this episode. Um, just like always, if you're listening to us on um, YouTube, you can find us on any one of your major podcast apps, Amazon Music, Apple Music, Spotify. Um, we'll see you in a couple weeks probably, wherever, whenever you listen to this episode. Uh, we're off for spring break and uh, we shall return.